Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. Not a fun one to do this Sunday. Welcome to our live Texans Panthers postgame show. Robert with Sports Radio 610's Sean Bajani, who's out at Sports Radio 610 as we speak. And Sean, wasn't this game one of Bajani's locks a couple of weeks ago, if I remember correctly? Yeah, it was. <laughs> They're going to have to make it up some way, somehow, right? Um, I, you know, we talked about whenever you were asking me to pick games and stuff, um, there was the notion, you know, that we both agreed upon, hey, they're going to win a game that they have no business winning, and they're probably going to lose a game or two that they don't have any business losing. And, I mean, obviously, that was one of those games today where they had absolutely no business losing it. Um, that, quote-unquote, bend-but-don't-break defense um, gave up a lot of chunky yardage today, some silly penalties, and it was unfortunate because for the first time, really, all season, you felt great about the Texans' defense getting to their quarterback with regularity. Unfortunately, they just couldn't do it in crunch time. For what it's worth, the quarterback battle looks like this because that was the story going into the game. Stroud, 16 of 24, 140 yards, no touchdowns or interceptions. Bryce, 22 of 31 for 180 yards, one touchdown. No interceptions. Neither looked great. Neither looked terrible, Sean. But Bryce gets the scoreboard here. Yeah, he gets the scoreboard, gets a little bragging rights. Um, and, you know, good for him, uh, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> you know, tongue-in-cheek, you know, when when you're left with the guy, like as we all were, that, you know, a lot of people didn't want in C.J. Stroud. You're hoping for the worst for Bryce Young aside from injury, right? You just don't want him to do well with the Panthers. And off to an 0-6 start, you're like, yes. But listening to the coaches on, you know, the Texans side leading up to this game all week, they talked nothing but about how much better Bryce Young has gotten each and every single week. And, look, you can pass off some of that as coach speak and just, you know, being professional and – extending, you know, some courtesy and some nice words to the opposition's way. I mean, you can clearly see it. I mean, the body language um, to me is what's been the biggest deal. And that comes down to mentality and getting that restored confidence back in your game that Bryce Young played so well and had so much of in Alabama uh, last year in his college football you didn't see that through the first few weeks. You saw a very frustrated, a very uh, dejected kind of a Bryce Young, whether it be from play to play or week to week. When, when, when he would struggle, you'd see it on his face and in his body language. You didn't really see that a lot today. It was just a guy that understood, you know what, kind of like the mentality that we talk so much about C.J. Stroud having, hey, flush it, it's on to the next play, on to the next play. And I think that's probably uh, the biggest thing for the Houston Texans going forward is flushing this one. And as D'Amico Ryans has talked about over the course of the last couple of weeks, figuring out how to win games uh, and being consistent. They don't know how to handle themselves after a win yet. He likes how they responded after losses, but understanding that winning in this league is tough, and this young team is figuring that out. Jay Adams says in the comments, horrific loss. He also points out, Slowick, not aggressive enough, way too conservative. Yeah. And that's really where I want to start with you, Sean, because the Panthers' second-worst defense against the run, 
Texans, 30 carries, 110 yards, less than four yards a carry. I understand the Texans trying to run the ball early. I get it. But, Sean, Slowick played this game not to lose. I hate it. I've always hated it. I've seen it with other Texan coaches, the Bill O'Briens and the Gary Kubiaks. And usually when you play not to lose, you lose the first down runs are getting old because they're not working. Yeah, look, um, again, this is something else you usually pass off as kind of coach speak when guys talk about, hey, it's nothing really that the opposition's doing. It's we're not executing. We we know we're good enough. We're just not executing. And I, I really do think that was the case today. C.J. Stroud said after the game that, hey, you know, the Panthers really didn't throw anything at them that they hadn't anticipated. Um, he didn't – he wasn't flustered by their defense. It was, look, they, they had some misses on some well-contested balls. C.J. probably should have made about three or four passes um, that he didn't. And as far as the run game goes, maybe really this is just how bad the Texans are at rushing the football. This is the first time in seven games that the Carolina Panthers have yielded less than 130 yards on the ground to their opposition. In fact, their run defense had gotten worse as the season had gone on to this point. So they allow a season low 110 yards rushing to the Houston Texans and maybe one, maybe two Runs by Damian Pierce and Devin Singletary where you looked at yourself and you were like, hmm, you know what? Maybe they can get this going. And they either didn't go back to the well in which they should have early in this game on a fourth and sh- or, excuse me, a third and short. Instead, they opt for C.J. Stroud to pass in that instance in an incompletion. That was in one of those first few possessions where they were trading punt, 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 punt. Boy, turn, the, turn, turn around and give the ball to Damian Pierce and establish the run. That was the perfect opportunity to do it in that instance, and the Texans failed fundamental decisions. And I think, yes, a lack of aggressiveness. C.J. Stroud spoke to this after the game today, and I think this is something that we need to really pay attention to and focus on because without Robert Woods in the game today, him missing with the lower leg injury, I believe it is, I fully expected Noah Brown, Tank Dell, and Nico Collins to get a heavy dose of targets and enough of that. The fact that C.J. Stroud just 24 times get the run game going was excusable yeah and uh we're losing you just like we lost a lot of uh uh ground in the uh attempt to get in the playoffs it's uh hopefully it's going to get a little bit better but a reminder to get in the comments we're going to unpack it possession by possession as we do every week and let texans go three and out to open the game stroud's third and one pass batted down big story over the bye was the texans lack of a pass rush D'Amico calls a blitz on the first defensive play. Blake Cashman with a sack. Texans force a three and out. Texans get great field position, but can't take advantage because of a busted run play costing eight yards. And for the second straight drive, Sean Stroud's third down pass gets batted down. This one's supposed to be <laughs> CJ Stroud. This was supposed to be Bryce Young getting passes batted down, not CJ. Yeah, I think, what did he have, like two or three passes batted down in the early goings today? And that was, um, I don't know what that says, but I would be interested to go back and look at the film and see if it looked like the Panthers were doing that with anticipation. Not because they had beaten their man and freed their arms up to get get a hand up, but if, in fact, maybe there's a tell, a tendency they, they picked up on um, in CJ's, um, you know, mechanics 
um, with his foot, patting a ball, whatever the case may be. I'd be interested to go back and look at that. Yeah, CJ was quoted after the game saying, I'm not saying I'm playing terrible, but I'm not making the plays I want to make. We've got to be explosive like we want to be. we got to take some shots, be more explosive, and make big plays down the field. We can't let them dictate to us. That's me getting more trust from the coaches. That's an interesting little comment right there. And we have the opportunity, or the talent, he says, to be explosive. We've shown it. If not top five offense, top ten offense, we can do it. Got to call it and run it. That's why we haven't been consistent. Bobby Slowick has done a great job calling it. Hopefully, we start being a little more explosive. So he sort of gave him a compliment, but it starts off with a little backhanded uh, little uh, dig there right there at Slowick. I, I, I read it as. Yeah, I think it was easy to read it like that. Um, to be honest with you, as much as Stroud would love to stay positive, you know, after a tough loss like this, I think it's probably a little bit of frustration setting in and maybe the words didn't come out um, as he would have liked, because I think it's easy to interpret that. But the question really has all the context because it was a direct question on whether or not uh, he's going to have a conversation with Bobby Slowick about trying to gain consistency in their offense, particularly with more explosive plays. And so having that as context, it's easy to kind of understand why it would read, why it would sound like that. But I also think, too, it's probably a little bit of frustration seeping in. But, um, you know, the reports were after the game in the Texans locker room, it was a pretty upbeat locker room for having lost a game to a winless Panthers team. And we know at this point in time who that leader is, who they've rallied behind, who's going to kind of set that tone, set, give them that vibe. It's been C.J. Stroud. Uh, obviously, D'Amico has a lot to do with that as well. There's some other veterans, you know, that have some pretty loud voices in the locker room too. But C.J. Stroud is going to remain upbeat. I mean, it's it's one loss. It's week eight. And it's not anything that you can look at, at least in this point in time, that's going to make or break your season. Thanks, Belay, for getting to the comments. And we're going to get to your comment as this goes along. Uh, it's going to come up in a few minutes because he's talking about some strategy yeah. later on. Next Panthers possession, just one first down and a punt. So Texans finally get it going after this. Stroud, big, tight window, third down completions to Nico and Noah Brown on that drive. Sean, Andrew Beck's one-yard touchdown finishes it off. We saw a lot of Mike Boone, Singletary, and Dell runs in this drive, which tells me that Damian Pierce is losing a lot of confidence in that coaching room. Yeah, I think he's lost a lot of self-confidence uh, himself. You know, I, I caught up with him uh, before this game um, this week. I think it was on Thursday. It could have been Friday. I think it was Friday. Um, and it just kind of seeped through. You know, Damian very jovial, always in good spirits, laughing, joking around. Um, was very different this week. And I think is putting a lot of pressure on himself and maybe feels the pressure, you know, from the outside creeping in a little bit. And so, I mean, it wouldn't be a shock and it shouldn't be to anyone that that stuff might be creeping in on him. But this was one of my favorite drives of the entire season. Um, it chewed up nearly nine and a half minutes on the clock. They converted three third downs. And as you mentioned, they did it in a lot of different ways. You know, whether it be Singletary, whether it be Boone, whether it be Dell, CJ making, thing hap making things happen with his arm, 
um, I, I thought it was a, a complete drive and it really felt like, you know what? Slowick has kind of figured this thing out. Like, here we go. We're off to the races. And then the Panthers do what they do and they stifle the Texans offense. But I also agree with what CJ said after the game as well. It's not so much about what the Panthers defense did to them. It's what the Texans did to themselves. Yeah. And I'm, I didn't bring it up earlier in the game. Nico had a chance. Uh, if Stroud had put the ball on target for a big play, Stroud, a rare miss, an overthrow. We haven't seen him miss a lot deep, and that was just unfortunate. But Panthers' next possession, they drive to the one. Malik Collins gets into the backfield on third down, and Sean Tavier Thomas breaks up the fourth down throw. At this moment, Texan fans loving that Tavier Thomas is back. We can get to the the other stuff later, but right there is a big moment. We thought uh, it was it was huge. Again, um, you followed a, a great offensive drive up with a hell of a defensive stand because you got pass deflections uh, in big time moments. You were getting to the quarterback. You were showing uh, different types of pressures from different people. I mean, name the last time that you were able to see Malik Collins get that type of production, see that results. Uh, from the sweat equity that he's put in. I mean, he was in the backfield with regularity uh, today, along with uh, uh, Jonathan Grenard. So, I mean, those kinds of things, Blake Cashman, those were great things to see, and it all kind of came together at the perfect time to, to rebound after a good scoring drive. All right, now from here, this is the next deal. Uh, Panthers now, or no, Texans with the ball, ends up quickly when Stroud, that whole drive ends quickly when Stroud sacked on third down. Singletary gets plowed over in pass protection. It makes Singletary look bad, but he got left one-on-one with Pro Willer, Brian Burns. I don't hate him for that. That's really not fair to Singletary. So Panthers now, uh, they got the ball. Looked like Texans shut him down quickly on a Will Anderson sack, but a Kadar Holman holding penalty killed that. And it turns into, Sean, a nine-play, 60-yard touchdown drive they missed the extra point, which, okay, that's going to turn into something later. But anything catch your eye on that particular drive? I was just the, the demoralizing because you kind of felt in that moment that that was going to come back to bite them um, because we'd seen self-inflicted wounds do that already this season through their first six games. Uh, when Will Anderson gets to Bryce Young, it just felt like, this, this is how you drew it up. I mean, I even talked to Will this week about, I mean, how sweet is it going to be? You just feel like it's going to happen. You've been talking for three, four weeks about that sweat equity paying off, rushing together as a unit, and you've got all these pressures. Surely you're going to start to see results and get that sack. And it felt like once he got that sack, it was, here we go, game on, man. And doggone it, you know, that, that that penalty just negates that and it gives the Panthers a fresh set of downs. It breathes new life into them. And it doesn't matter, Robert. You know this. If you're an 0-6 team, if you're a 6-0 team, you give a fresh set of downs to anybody, but particularly a team like this with a young quarterback that is starting to, you know, feel himself and gain more and more confidence every week. Look, we talk about the same thing with the Texans. At some point, it's going to pay off. At some point, that sweat equity is going to yield returns. And unfortunately, it did there for the Panthers on that drive. All right. So next thing, Texans set up for a two-minute drive at this point. It's great opportunity. But Stroud, rare rookie mistake on his first play from scrimmage. 
He has plenty of time, can't find anybody, but instead of throwing the ball away, which he was doing most of the last few yeah. weeks, he makes the rookie gaffe, takes a bad sack. Luckily for the Texans, after that three and out, Cam Johnson reminds us why we missed this guy punting the ball. Sean, he basically saves potential points with the longest punt in team history, 74 yards. I did not know it was the longest punt in team history, though. 74 yards, um, I guess, you know, thinking back on it, like it probably should have been, right? Uh, that was incredible. Um, he was he would have been the MVP today, to be honest with you. If the Texans pull this game out, if there's some some way somehow able to stop the Panthers late, and hang on to this and win 13 to 12. He's the MVP of this game. There's no question about it. I mean, every time that he had the ball in his hands, he did something magical with it. I mean, 52, 53, 74 yard punts, and uh, they came at the, the perfect time. And that was certainly one of them today. All right. So, Panthers first possession, second half. Texans give up the Panthers' biggest pass play of the season 49 yards to Mingo. Yeah. Looked like a play straight out of last year, straight out of Lovey Smith's defense. But, you know, not a bunch of plays like that today, certainly. But it sets up a field goal. Then disaster happens. Stroud makes a great throw to Beck for a first down, but he's stripped, fumbles the football. That's the Panthers' first fumble recovery of the season. It's the only turnover of the game, period, for anybody. But, Sean, it's hard to blame Beck. Great individual play, I have to say, by Dante Johnson. You know, he reaches around back there and makes just a, a, a great play. So I, I, I don't want to just like, oh, it's this is Beck's fault. Yeah, um, I, that's another one I'm going to have to go back and look at. Actually, uh, I was listening to the radio call and Andre Ware, it sounded like he wanted to kind of place the blame on Beck in the sense that, hey, look, that's a tough ask for a guy that's not used to handling the football a ton. Uh, to give him the ball like that in that instance, it, it's it's a tough ask. But we've seen Beck make these plays before. Um, and granted, we saw it a little bit more in the preseason, and I saw it, you know, firsthand uh, in training camp. The guy looked really darn good as a pass catcher out of the backfield. Um, wasn't one of those where he looked to run up the field before he secures the football. It's just, hey, you know, these things are going to kind of happen. It's what you do with them uh, afterwards. Unfortunately, it meant points on the board uh, for the Panthers shortly thereafter. Yeah, it's a slant over the middle. Looks like he's got a first down. He's running with the football in his right hand. Dante reaches around from the other side. So he's coming at him from the left. And just, you know, it's a great athletic play to punch it out. Yeah. Now, should Beck have had it, you know, in his around his arm more secure? Maybe, but it's it's almost a bang bang play because you're you're getting the ball, you're trying to secure it, you're 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 right next to the first down marker. So there's a lot of stuff going on super quick. And yeah. if you watch it on replay, it, it doesn't do it justice. You know, that's one of the things. A lot of times we watch stuff on replay and it's slow motion, but you know, life doesn't happen in slow motion, unfortunately. <laughs> so after the fumble, Denzel Perryman, big third down stuff, forcing a field goal. So the, the defense comes up big there, but that field goal mattered, obviously. And then the Texans get the ball back quickly, have their only other good drive of the game, which that's not a good sign. When you have two good drives against a struggling Carolina Panthers team, they get that bizarre tipped 31-yard pass to Noah Brown, who I thought Noah Brown was right on it, right on the officials when that happened, because he pointed out to them, 
hey, the ball's tipped. That means I can come back in and make the catch. So, so good call by Noah. Fourth and goal at the one. Stroud, QB sneak, but they can't convert a two-point conversion. Boy, that was big, and it really wasn't even close. Stroud threw it into coverage pretty quick. I don't know what he saw there, but it, it wasn't going to make it there. Sean, how big was that right there? I mean, that's a, that's the a difference between maybe we're going into overtime. Yeah, I mean, look, obviously that was huge. I, I'd love – I don't mind C.J. Stroud throwing the football ever. Okay, that's number one. You know he can do the job. But the Texans had the run game going on that drive. Um, Pierce was, you know, getting four yards, seven yards, had that big 16-yard run on that drive. Singletary picked up about six or seven yards a couple of different instances on that drive. The Texans Be- looked best, like they were best – drive of the Best running drive of the game from that – by far the best running drive of the game for them. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's just – it's an instance in which – I would have liked in that in that two point conversion try for the Texans to at least make the Panthers think that they were going to continue to go with the run. And this is where I'd love to see, you know, a better job of play action uh, being executed by the Texans. And but again, it's it is what it is. I'm not happy with the with the outcome. <laughs> uh, I'm never going to kill Bobby Slowick for putting the ball in C.J. Stroud's hands, uh, probably ever. <laughs> certainly not at this point because good things tend to happen when he has the ball in his hands and he's looking to throw, especially when the target in the red zone is a guy like Dalton Schultz. Um, how important he's been in the red zone along with Robert Woods, who you were missing today. I mean, those guys have been huge. And so you trust that, that they're just going to make a play. Unfortunately, it just didn't go their way in that instance. One last thought on that drive before the two-point conversion. Bobby Slowick stopped given Andrew Beck the ball in goal line running situations. Take that page, rip it out of the playbook, and throw it away. I hate fullback runs near the goal line. Yuck, that sucked. Okay, moving on. Panthers get a big <laughs> kickoff return past midfield. Killer. R- rare special teams, uh, special teams breakdown for the Texans. But Grenard comes up with a huge sack on third down, makes up for his face mask penalty that he had earlier. Massive game for Grenard, Sean. We got to talk about him. Two and a half sacks, two tackles for loss, six tackles, three solo. Feels like a breakout year for this guy, finally. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's a, but it's a wonder what, you know, you already know an uber-talented player can do when you have other really good players around him. Um, he's been stricken with injury, you know, the first couple of years being a Houston Texan and hadn't had really good talent around him. Let's be honest. Um, now, look, Jerry Hughes... Uh, had a terrific season last year, led the team in sacks, I think eight and a half, nine sacks total. A year after Jonathan Grenard led a really terrible Texans team in sacks himself. Uh, I think he had eight. There's not been a Texan player to record double-digit sacks, I don't think, since J.J. Watt. That's been a while ago. You're looking, you're at appro- you're approaching close to a decade uh, from that being the case. Um, but I think, look, we shouldn't be surprised with a healthy Jonathan Grenard that he's starting to see the results because as a D'Amico Ryan's defense starts to take form and there's no secret about it. They are going to be aggressive. D'Amico doesn't like the bend, but don't break uh, thing. You know, Lovey Smith can have that. He can keep that. D'Amico is going to be aggressive and you saw how well that can work, you know, today at times, but you also saw how 
bad things can look when maybe you are overly aggressive and guys are missing some assignments. They're not hitting their landmarks. Uh, they got bit a few times today and unfortunately, uh, you know, ended up costing them late as they weren't able to get to that quarterback um, when a big sack again for, you know, the second time in the last three games, it would have really been beneficial if you could just get to the queue one time to throw him off his game. Yeah, and uh, six sacks on the day. I'm not going to get pissed at the Texans for being overly aggressive. And I, I thought yeah, at times, hard. especially, you know, with Bryce Young as the quarterback and the trouble that he's having, there were just a lot of times where I thought, bring more blitzes. I don't care. Make him beat you. It's freaking Bryce Young. He doesn't have the receivers right now. He doesn't have the talent. Make him beat you. But anyway, let me let me go to the Texans' next possession. One first down and punt. And this, this is what I really want to get to with Slowick. And it, Sean's a perfect example of an issue I have with the Texans offense because they did it in this possession. I mean, but they did it all day. They kept trying to run the ball on first down, just like they've had all season. It's Groundhog Day. And what's make life, what's making their life so difficult and so difficult for their quarterback when you're second and long every time. There's then pressure to complete a pass on second down because typically that's what they go to on second down. Because if you don't, it's third and long. And this strategy makes the offense consistently have to get third down. So we talk about third down conversions, but you know what this offense doesn't do well, which is important if you're going to be a great offense, not have to do third down conversion, Sean. Well, and you know, look, they, they, we've seen them. They have the propensity to kind of stay out of third downs. Um, we've seen that a couple of times, um, you know, in, in some big time wins against the Pittsburgh Steelers, against the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, some long sustained drives where they stayed out of those situations. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm with you. It's it's a pulse that you have to just have um, throughout the course of a game. But look, you're talking about a couple possessions prior to that where you, 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 you felt like you established the run. You finally kind of broke through. But I also think it's the game within the game. Like, okay, we've got that in our back pocket if we need it. But let's also show the aggressiveness that we've all that, that he's talked about since day one of training camp, what he wants the identity of this offense to be. Not a run, not a pass, but just aggressive. And the players have boasted about that. Throw it on first down. Sometimes you have to throw to set up the run. I don't think, you know, they've quite figured out that, you know what, that doesn't have to be the identity of the team in general, but maybe it needs to be your identity within the game, uh, within a singular possession, if you will. I, I, I totally agree with you. They've got to find uh, different ways um, to be successful on both ends, passing and running the football. And it just comes down to creativity. You've got to be able to see more of it. Um, and you can't tell me at this point in time, just because you didn't have Robert Woods, you know what, you ain't got the personnel. Uh, Bobby Slowick said this week, hey, we got a whole stable of receivers. And they've clearly shown the propensity to use uh, any combination of the three running backs that they've had in Boone, Pierce, and Singletary to this point, especially over the course of the last three weeks. So it's it's going to be on Slowick, you know, going forward to kind of ratchet things up a little bit and get the Texans back to being able to show just how explosive they can be, not just in the air, but on the ground. Yeah, they're not explosive on the ground. And I'm going to I'm going to rehash that point and, and something I got to say about that a little bit later. But moving to the next drive, Malik Collins, fantastic day. He gets a third down sack. 
So, I mean, there was sacks. Let's not forget that the yeah, defense. Sure. That this is. The, I hate calling this a defensive loss. This wasn't a defensive loss. So that forces a three and out. Terrible injury, though, Sean, I want to ask you about, because Jared Patterson goes down. You can't say enough about how solid JP's been. Where's Juice Scruggs? This is when we need him. Call the bat phone. We need this guy back right now, man. Yeah, it's a tough situation for him. Um, Dealing with a hamstring, trying to make his way back. He's been eligible to come off of IR now for a couple of weeks. And we haven't heard or seen anything from him. So um, <laughs> Michael Dieter going forward with him at center. Um, I mean, yikes. Uh, the Texans were forced to use a guy that I, I'm convinced they absolutely hate for whatever reason. <laughs> they didn't want to put him in at left guard. Um, they've tried everything. Uh, paying the fourth, They're paying the fourth highest paid right tackle in the league to play left guard for you in Titus Howard, aside from using Michael Dieter and even Josh Jones in this instance in the team that has said, hey, as long as we've got the five best dudes out there, it doesn't matter where they're playing as long as they're the five best dudes. So we'll see who they think those five best guys are going forward uh, without Jarrett Patterson. I mean, that is an injury that absolutely is killer to this offensive line who coming into this game, Robert was rolling out with the third, the, the, the third straight game with the same starting lineup on the offensive line. That hadn't happened all season long. Um, you'd have to go back to, I don't know. Did they do that last year? I can't remember. And if they did, it didn't matter. I mean, they stunk last year anyway, but um, it, it's a tough deal because Jared Patterson has been catching more and more praise as the week's, uh, and games go along for the Texans in terms of just the way that he's been able to compartmentalize all of the pressures, all the responsibilities that are on the center in this offense um, uh, from Bobby Slowick. And that, that, that's going to be a tough one to, to to try and, you know, get past. But yeah, and you got to hurt for him because he has had a great opportunity this year. So even if, you know, they, they see Scruggs as the center of the future, Jared yeah. Patterson, made a name for himself and 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 it also this is kind of an underrated thing sean uh it made Jarrett patterson a valuable trade chip if you needed a trade chip if they still feel like scruggs is their guy going down the road because Jarrett patterson's proven he's a real solid center in, in this league right now it had but you know what this injury also does and look it's we don't know anything about it yet tomiko didn't uh you know supply a uh you know a uh, update on his status after the game, but this probably solidifies Titus Howard as your left guard going forward for the long yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should have mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That, that's a big deal, and and, and that means it's going to be harder to get the run game going because I think they feel like one of the weaknesses is that they've had to use uh, George Fant, who's not great at the run at right tackle, instead of Titus Howard, who they think is much better at it. And you know that that's another really good point because George Fant, he's. He's been that bend but don't break guy. Like he hasn't been terrible, but he hasn't been Titus Howard at right tackle. Let's be honest with you. Uh, and so maybe it's not all said and done for Titus being a left guard. I think a lot of it depends on maybe a couple of things. Josh Jones getting back to 100% and maybe them feeling that, you know what, he's going to be just as good as Titus at left guard but we've got to get Titus back to right tackle because that is a significant uh, upgrade from George Fant. So maybe that's something they explore going forward in the next week or so, but obviously it's uh, largely going to come down to the health of Jarrett Patterson and the status of Juice Scruggs 
um, starting right now and seeing if that hamstring can be anywhere close to 100% and usable for the Texans going forward. All right, Belay, I hope you're still with us because we're about to get to the point that you wanted to make. And by the way, I am not sure if it's related, but Dieter replaces uh, Patterson at center. And I don't know if it was on Dieter or this is on Stroud, but the Texans get a big, big delay of game on third and five in Panthers territory. Sean, I think you mentioned it earlier. Then Tank Dell can't make a tough sideline pass on third and 10 because of both the penalty and then no gain on third down. What would have been a 53-yard field goal turns into a 55-yard field goal. They decide to punt, and I would have trusted Fairbairn 53 yards. Belay makes the point. He said, I don't understand it. Why didn't we just try to get into field goal range after the delay of game and then you know, try to get that three points on the board, try to get Fairbairn the, Fairbairn the points, I'm sure there would have been a dump down or a screen that would have been available right there, Sean. What did you think of all that? Yeah, D'Amico's reasoning afterwards, um, it sounded to me like that's a guy that wants to go back and relive that one and is probably going to say he wish he would have done something different. But in this instance, after the game today, he said, hey, we were just trying to make a play there. Um, but, I mean, I fully agree with you. Kaimi Fairbairn, there's no – it's funny. During practice on Friday – Kaimi Fairbairn, that's practice, I get it, casually booting 50-yard field goals that I told Cody Stutes, geez, these would have been good from 60-plus. There's no question that the guy's got the leg. Um, and in that instance, you said something earlier talking about Slowick. Maybe this is an area in D'Amico, which to this point, I wouldn't have pegged him as such, but you don't need to be coaching to lose a game. You need to be coaching to win. And, you know, in a game in which you've only put together two solid drives, you know what? Sometimes you're going to have to put it in the hands of your special teams. Cam Johnston took care of business, you know, every single time he had the opportunity today. Kaimi Fairbairn had an opportunity, and you took it away from him in that instance. Um, after missing out on a two-point conversion earlier, you had an opportunity to get three points on the board. And I feel as comfortable, and maybe this is silly of me, but I feel just as comfortable with Kaimi Fairbairn trying to kick a 53-yard field goal as I do him kicking a 43-yard field goal. I feel damn good about it because you know what kind of leg he's got. You know what the special teams is all about. Um, yeah, there was a couple of hiccups today, but it was in coverage. It wasn't on field goal attempts. So um, I, I think it's something that D'Amico Ryans is going to go back and look at and say, damn, you know, we could have had three points on the board there, and this could have been our dub. Yeah, I, that one was one. And, and I'm usually like, try to get the first down, but there should have been if he didn't see something obvious opening up beyond 10 yards, there should have been, in C.J. Stroud, the, 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 the instruction should have been, all right, if there's something obvious, go for the 10 yards. If not, we got this dump down set up for you. Get a few yards. Make sure we get Kaimi Fairbairn in field goal range. But Stroud, you know, he th that delay of game was also a C.J. Stroud issue. And, and Stroud yeah. – we saw it earlier in the season. We haven't seen it much late where he, he was a little bit slow to get things going. And it was just, it was one of those uh, instances where he's at the line of scrimmage and he's, he's doing a lot of stuff and he loses track of the clock. And that that's a big one right there. I mean, it's, this is a Stroud deal. This is a Slowick deal. This is a breakdown of everybody offensively in, in this one. And, and really the, I thought the receivers had a pretty darn good game. I, I, I am not, 
mad at them. Um, but I, I feel like Stroud and so they just got to be better there, especially against a, a Panthers team that we talked about. That's just not that good. Yeah. Um, you know, what was it? Week one, week two, where you and I had a back and forth about, hey, look, the Texans in large part just didn't have a pulse on the situation. It was week two. They'd gotten the ball deep in Indianapolis Colt territory and they had to delay a game. And they could have called a timeout to just reset things, but they didn't. D'Amico was late in reacting. He even admitted after the game that he was like, yeah, you know, I I could have called a timeout there, but it didn't. The Texans had all of their timeouts in that instance. And so that's Slowick, that's Ryans, that's Stroud. That is not one single solitary person amongst the 11 on that field of offense for the Texans in that instance um, with the sense of urgency. Uh, or the headspace to say, hey, let's go, let's go, let's go. C.J. Stroud said after the game today, he was like, you know, I, I looked up at the clock, and I'm paraphrasing here. He was like, you know, I thought I saw two seconds left, and I thought we got off in time, but you know what it is, what it is. Um, you've got to make sure in that instance, at that point in the game, um, where it's crunch time, there's no thinking. You know you've got enough time to get that ball off, and you do it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't get mad at the – I don't get mad at not calling a timeout, though, there, because – I'm sure Slowick thought, oh, he's going to snap it here. Oh, he's going to snap it here. And he just waited too long. Yeah. You know, you got You have to trust your quarterback to know that he's looking at the clock because there's there's a lot of times during a game where you get close to that end of the clock and and you know it's a close game. Those timeouts are like gold at this point. And, and of course, the Texans were trying to use them left and right late in the game, and they were needing them for sure if they were going to give themselves a chance. Uh, Sean, a bunch of stuff happens on the Panthers' last drive. Yeah. So I'm going to throw out to you all of this stuff and tell me what you're most upset about. We got a bad offsides penalty by Will Anderson cost a first down Shaq Griffin called for a ticky tack pass interference cost a first down. And then the big one, Tavier Thomas commits about 4,000 penalties on the game winning field goal to a kicker that has just earlier missed an extra point. Like this is longer than an extra point. He might be feeling it a little bit right now. And Tavier Thomas, I don't know what the hell he was doing out there. Not just the offsides, but hitting the hitting the guy after the whistle blows and hit you, you even if the whistle hadn't blown, you do not hit the holder. Period. That was the worst part. I mean, I got no problem with a guy trying to make a play. Um, you know, you're trying your best to anticipate and get early um and be in position. You know, the first one, awesome, awesome try. Awesome try. I mean, you can't tell me it went by design. He just he, he mistimed it. Um, I, I, to that point, I, I can't fault uh, a guy, Frank Ross, anybody, uh, any one of those guys who are trying to make a play. But I mean, you're right. I mean, you, you can't you can't do something like that. You can't get the unsportsman's like. Um, the the only hope you had after that was yeah, while it was a lot closer than the one he'd missed before after the penalty was enforced, and that. You're just thinking in some form or fashion that Panero just is in this headspace. It's like, damn, <laughs> I ain't met I ain't met three of these in a row all week, you know, or something like that in practice. Like I, I missed my I missed my third one all week, and you know, it, he makes it, and you fully expected him to make it. But uh, to a certain point, I don't fault Tommy or Thomas or any any one of those Texans for just trying to time something up and make a play in that instance. That's what it's, it came it's, down it's, to. It's, it's the personal foul, and then the second mm-hmm. penalty. Um, but I don't know if you've got to get crazy. I think you, you got to just trust that it's a little bit because if you do go offsides, 
you give them five extra yards and it yeah. gets closer to an extra. I don't know. I just, at that moment, I'm like, man, this guy, they haven't won a game yet. You know, I, I had to think he was feeling the pressure. I mean, it's a game winning field goal anyway. So sure, sure. feeling it. So, and you know, I don't know. And, the other thing I just want to – a couple of things I want to bring up. We've given a lot of credit to D'Amico this season, but the Texans outcoached and outdisciplined in this game. And outdisciplined yeah. 10 penalties, 70 yards against a winless team. That's awful. Most of these were on D'Amico's defense, the penalties, I mean. They were a defense – special teams, too, obviously, with Tavier, but that's one of his guys is Tavier. So – uh, discipline. I, I wasn't happy with that. And I, and I just wasn't happy again. I'm going to go back to the playing not to lose stuff, Sean, because here, here's my thing. The Texans played slow down football today. they took it down the clock. Every, there wasn't a real speed up factor to the Texans. They were not aggressive. They weren't throwing the ball down the field outside of that one Nico bomb. Uh, the the one play that they other play they got down the field was the pass completion to Noah Brown that was tipped and that was because uh, you know Stroud's running around Stroud said it in the post game he's got to trust me we got to go up top more and we got to be more aggressive you are going against a crappy team it's like in basketball you know what you do you know what you don't do when you're way better uh, a team. You don't slow it down and make it a possession game like the like your Houston Cougars did back in 1983 against NC. I hate to bring up NC State, but we know what happened there. You gotta play like you're the better team. Yeah, uh, you make a lot of really great points there, and I I think that just uh, that's a that's a D'Amico that that starts with D'Amico. Um, and I think he's owned that really the last uh, couple of weeks, even before the bye after the Saints game. I asked him the question. Um, I, I said, hey, look, you've seen how your team responds after losses, and you've said how pleased you were. What do you think about your team responding after a win and then having a bye before you do it? And he said, yeah, look, that's something that we need to get better at, and that's going to be a test for us. Well, here's the test today, and you failed it. Um, there's a lot you know, going into things. But um, one thing I know the Texans were cognizant of that you shouldn't sneeze at, and it's one of those weird things, the game within the game. Look, you're an 0-6 team. Uh, the Panthers shown their vulnerabilities, um, you know, running the football. They'd shown their vulnerabilities with all of the zone that they played uh, to this point in the season. And what better quarterback would you rather have um, with a ball in his hands against a defense that is going to play as much zone as the Carolina Panthers, C.J. Stroud, because he's chewed opposing defenses zone coverage up this season. Um, that didn't happen today. The one thing the Carolina Panthers, for whatever reason, just seem to do really, really well um, this season through seven games now is that they're able to get off more times than not on the field on third down. And I, I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just uh, disguising coverages. I don't know if it's just applying a little bit more pressure. Um, you know that, that that flusters receivers, flushes a quarterback. I don't know what it is, but it certainly was good enough today uh, to be successful against C.J. Stroud and the Texans. But that whole mentality of being able to be consistent—that's what young teams, that's what new teams, you know, struggle with the most—is being able to be consistent and. With so many first 
your guys in respective positions, I would expect them to kind of go through these trials and tribulations. And if there's anything that I could say that would be a positive in what we've learned from D'Amico Ryans through the first seven games of his first year as a head coach is that I trust the ability to be able to respond, uh, not just because it's a loss, but to learn how to handle yourself after failures, but certainly after successes. And they've got a tall task ahead of them now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming up uh, inside of a week. You got to go get that dub at home and then, um, you know, see if you can stack another good one on top of that one. But it comes down to taking on a pretty damn good Tampa Bay Bucks team uh, first and foremost. Yeah, just um, I-, I would actually tell Bobby Slowick, I want you to change your name to Bobby Fast Tick because I want the Texans <laughs> to use their fast tick muscles instead of their slowick muscles on, on uh, running this <laughs> offense. The other thing that I want to say, Sean, and typically I understand the NFL's deal. You don't want to trade for running backs. You don't want to spend too much for running backs because they have a short lifespan, et cetera, et cetera. But here's the deal. You got two choices, Texans. Either stop running the football or go spend some capital at this trade deadline and go trade for a running back and put a fourth round pick on it or something like that. And I I don't care about a fourth round pick because the Texans have been garbage their whole history around that. They haven't done a whole lot with the fourth round pick anyway. But some pick like that, if it's not this year, it's next year, whatever. But if I'm the Texans and I'm like, well, we got to run the football. That's our identity. Either stop it or make a trade. Because, look, Damian Pierce and Devin Singletary, neither one of those guys look above average. Uh, right now, both of them look below average. They had a couple, both of them had a couple nice runs on that one drive today. But overall, if you took the preponderance of the evidence, they look like Jags to me. And I don't know what's happened to Damian Pierce. I don't know what happened to Damian Pierce that I saw last year. That guy didn't look like a Jag. That guy looked like if he, if there was two yards, he would get you 10. If there was 10 yards, he'd get you 20. If there was no yards, he'd get you five. That guy hadn't showed up this year. So here's the deal. Go get a running back or throw the darn football and throw away these first down runs, period. Wheeling and dealing Casario, I mean, he's got to be thinking about it, right? Um, It's just uh, it comes down to the question on what are you going to give up and are the Texans in position to give up uh, significant draft capital? Uh, Fourth is probably where I would draw the line. Um, And given who's, you know, who's presumably available, um, I mean, maybe it's a guy, you see Derrick Henry going anywhere in Tennessee. Uh, they say they're not doing anything, but plans change, you know, after uh, after what happens on a particular Sunday. So I don't know what they're doing today. Uh, I don't even know what time they play, but. Um, oh, they, they, that's another thing. I mean, it's weird because it seems like they're in total sell mode right now. And that's what you would think. You're like, oh, yeah, Titans, you think. In, Titans in sell mode. They can't do anything. Today they beat the Falcons. I mean, they're three and four, same record as the Texans. Fantastic. If you're three and four, you're you're in it in in the NFL right now. You know, there's so many playoff spots. So I I don't know, Sean, but there should be some running backs available on bad teams. But Derek should... Henry, Derek Henry ran 101 yards on 22 carries today. <laughs> yeah, wins, I, so. I don't know what a Derek Henry is worth on the market because you got to feel like. He's got to be near the end, right? But at the same time, 
if you're the Texans, you get Derrick Henry, that might be worth two wins. That might be worth a playoff spot right there. Is it worth a playoff spot to, to go after a Derrick Henry and maybe even give a third round pick? But instead of giving the third round pick, I would say this coming year, where your third round pick might be a little bit lower, wait, you know, put it off a year or two. Once you've had this thing build up, those picks matter less and less. I don't know. He's going to be that dreaded age of 30 before the season even ends. Um, LeBron so- James. LeBron James. It's, he's the LeBron James right now because he, he, everybody just keeps expecting him to drop off one year and he just doesn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I just, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't foresee, like, I'm just telling you what the vibe that I get and until it happens, I'd be glad to say that I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, I don't expect Derrick Henry because he's, the, it would be an interdivision. Not, not just Derrick Henry, not just Derrick Henry though, Robert. I, I just don't foresee the Texans feeling like they're in a position to make a significant move for a, a difference making type of player yet. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I think the the objective this year for them is to see what they have in house when they have a little bit more cap room to 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 use this off season. I think they're going to be more than willing to do that, but to um, I think spend a significant amount of draft capital. You know, only Nick Casario, only only he knows what that actually is for him. Is that a fifth? Is that a fourth? Is that a third? Whatever. I just don't foresee them doing that. And I don't I don't get the vibe that they believe they're in a position to do it right now. But it would be great if they could get a difference maker and and it would really um just get this offense like moving and clicking. But I think it's also a fair question, right? Maybe Damian Pierce, maybe nothing's changed with the guy. Maybe he could still be really good. Maybe this run game sucks. Maybe the scheme sucks. Like Maybe it's just going to take a little bit of time. I, I I don't know. Like maybe you're going to go spend a fourth or a third round pick on a guy. He's going to come in, and you're not going to see the results then either. Especially given the situation that now that Patterson's out, you're going to be looking at a today you were already a fifth different offensive line. Who knows what it's going to look like before the Bucks game? Yeah, and that's the other part about it. If you're expecting the running game to change because. Juice Scruggs comes back and he helps you out at guard and maybe you can move Titus back over to tackle. Well, that ship is now sailed because if Juice Scruggs comes back, he's your starting center immediately. And, you know, Scruggs might be a little bit better in the run game, but the weakness is obviously at the right tackle. And maybe you have the answer right there. Maybe it's Josh Jones playing guard. Although Josh Jones playing guard, that's a real weakness. Still, you got running issues because Josh Jones not great at guard either, but either is t- I mean, they're stuck right now. Re- really, they're 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 in a jam on the run game, and I don't see. I mean, I'm just going to flat out be honest with everybody out there. I don't see it improving this year unless they make a trade and they get it and they get a dude. And and you know what? Most teams need a dude to have a good running game. Yeah. You, most teams can't have a bunch of guys playing. Media. Look, Damian Pierce, love you, Damian Pierce, but dude, you got to show up. You got to show up. Because the Damian Pierce that I saw last year looked like all world. And I don't know what's wrong with him, but it's got to get better. And it's not the scheme because he they've, they they run him behind different stuff. They run him behind zone sometimes. They run him behind man blocking sometimes. So it's been – it's different stuff. He just – it's not happening, period. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just kind of uh, one of those things. And I don't know – the Texans aren't going to pull the plug on the front game. Uh, they've just got to figure out a, a better way to get to it and uh, to get it to be effective, um, optimum for whatever 
uh, guys there they have in house. And if that's going to be a combination of Pierce, Singletary, Boone, then so be it. But um, it just it hasn't come together. And I choose to believe that Pierce can still be a productive back in this league. And I just hope it's not one of those situations where, because I hate it that ah, he's just not a system fit. Well, damn it, you know when you want to run the ball, you got to figure out a way to make him fit this system. Um, and do what you can. And uh, to this well, point, right now, they don't have a system fit if that's the issue because nobody's uh, nobody. doing great. And and the other thing I, I will say is, yeah, keep doing as long as you keep Tank healthy, keep getting him out on the edge. I like that because one thing about Tank, he gets out on the edge and he makes the play and he's gone. It was probably the most exciting play of the entire game. This This entire game for the Texans was when Tank Dell made those two ridiculous moves when he had yeah. the ball. I mean, that stuff is that that's the stuff the kind of stuff that you go, okay, this guy is totally different than everybody else. And my biggest disappointment on the offense was they couldn't figure out how to get the ball to tank. I just want Tank Dell needs to touch the ball ten times. Running game, passing game, but they needed to sh- do it more in the passing game. Yeah. You, you gotta find a way. You gotta I, I I want him going deep sometimes because tank He'll beat you deep. And he, he he's made that play. He's made the deep pass in his days with the Cougars. We know he can make that catch. Um, and, I mean, if, if you get Tank Dell deep, I don't care if there's double coverage. He'll get by him. You know, he'll make space. They're, he's going to get by those guys in double coverage. So, yeah, Tank Dell, I need more Tank Dell in this offense. He He's the best player in this offense, not named C.J. Stroud, period. St. Dale got three touches in running the ball, and he caught three passes of his four targets. To me, you got to look at the guy more than seven times in a game like this, in any game. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of crunched the numbers half-assed uh, ahead of this game and just looking at Dell and Collins, their targets coming in. Over the course of the last two games, they're down significantly um, to how Slowick utilized them Earlier in the season, week two, week three, week four, I think Nico Collins himself through the first three weeks had amassed 32 targets. And just in the last couple of games, even prior to this one, it'd been 10. And the numbers are pretty similar in terms of a drop off with Tank Dell. And you have talent like that. Um, you just got to find a way to get those guys the ball. Um, and I, I trust Bobby Sloak to be able to try to figure it out and, and, and do that. Um, because he's shown the ability to adjust to what defenses are taking away from his offense. So we'll wait and see if they can put it together ahead of the Bucks game, and we'll kind of go from there. But certainly in this division, with as much confidence as you were coming into this game with, thinking you were licking your chops, you were going to come out of here four and three with the Bucks at home with a chance to be five and three, and you really get things popping this season, uh, they got a lot of work to do, man. Uh, because time slips away very, very fast in the NFL. Yeah, disappointing, devastating loss in some ways because you know this could be the difference down the road and then making the playoffs and not if they start winning some games here pretty soon. Uh, We will talk a little Rockets tomorrow. I got our special Rockets guest that's scheduled. Uh, Looking forward to that a ton because there is a lot to talk about already. Uh, As we are doing this live, it's two games in the season, but the Golden State game, is going to start up here in the next 30 minutes. So I'm really interested to see how the Rockets, uh, how they respond after that tough overtime loss in San Antonio. 
and uh, what they can do against the the Warriors after we've seen the Warriors and the Rockets play. And, and, and it, you know, you've seen all the issues that the, they've had with the Warriors over the last couple of years. So that's going to be kind of interesting and fun and all that sort of stuff. But stay tuned. Me and Sean will be back in a couple of days talking Texans again, talking whatever's new with the Astros, whatever's going on in Houston sports. Stick with us and uh, have a good weekend. Rest your weekend, everybody. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.